Hi, my name's Lucinda Linfant. I'm a healthcare accreditation coordinator and an RN. I have no affiliation with the Joint Commission. I'm just a nurse trying to get information out there to everybody to get ready for any upcoming surveys that you may have. Documentation is used for many purposes. The most important role in documentation is to ensure high quality patient care. The medical record serves four major purposes. Do you know what those are? It acts as a line for communication among care team members, um, documents compliance with standards of care from the Joint Commission, CMS, and State Health Department, uh, documents compliance with standards that must be met for reimbursement by third-party payers such as Medicare, Medicaid, or a private insurance company. It documents patient care that meets safe, effective, and legal requirements. So what else does documentation do for us? It um, can assist in organizing your thoughts. It aids in finding problem areas, planned and evaluating care. It is a means to communicate again with other team members of the interdisciplinary care team for the patient. It shows what you have accomplished throughout the shift. It ensures reimbursement. Again, that's always important. it affords legal protection to you and your organization, and it may be used in research to support analysis and in quality improvement so that we can help patients better in the future. So good documentation can help staff defend themselves in a malpractice lawsuit, heaven forbid, and keep them out of court. One of the key principles of um, being legally defensive as far as documentation goes, is strict adherence to organization policy and procedure. Because say if you were in a court case, they're going to want to see what the policy and procedure was. So were they supposed to check on the patient every hour? And did they document that? Is it there? Because you know, if it wasn't documented, it wasn't done. So before we get off track and all sideways and inside out, what kind of policies do you think are involved with documentation? The Joint Commission will look at these policies to make sure we are following every tiny detail. Um, Of course, the first one being abbreviations and your do not use list. Number one, do you know where to find that list in your organization? If you don't, you need to find out. It's very important. Um, The next thing is anticoagulant therapy, including patient teaching, blood transfusion, um, change in the patient's condition, early recognition of a deteriorating patient and the rapid response team, um, contacting a provider when needed, critical lab results, patient fall reduction, infection and control, including prevention of surgical site infections, catheter-associated urinary tract infections, central line-associated infections or CLABSIs, and multi-drug-resistant organism infections. Um, Medications, they'll look at that policy, collection of accurate information and reconciliation of uh, discrepancies. Patient and family involvement in safety. Procedures, um, use of universal protocol, timeouts. Uh, Sedation and anesthesia monitoring. Restraints, including reassessment for safely eliminating restraints. And skin care. And last but not least, suicide prevention, which is a very hot topic this year. So let me give you a basic example of something like they are looking for. They're going to look at our critical lab results um, policy. 
and they are going to look in a chart and they are going to see that our policy says we're supposed to contact our provider in such and such amount of time. And they're going to look, they're going to find a critical result, and they're going to see, did we contact that provider within that time? And if not, did we call another provider or what did we do? Or say for a patient fall reduction, did we chart that we put the side rails up? Did we chart um, that we, when we did rounds, that we asked the patient if they needed to use the bathroom or if they were in any pain or if they needed to change position before we left? These are all things that the Joint Commission would look at. Also, insurance companies, if there's any question of anything, they will go through a chart and pick these things out. Hey, this wasn't done, you know, so that's why it's so important. The insurance company, like for instance, they'll look at anticoagulant therapy. Say we had a patient throw a clot after surgery, after hip surgery or something like that. Were we documenting that we put on TED hose or that we put on the SCD pumps? Um, how often were we doing that? They're going to look at all of those things, not just like medications. Were we giving them their blood thinners on time? They're going to look at that as well. But they want to make sure that we're doing everything. They're looking at the big picture and the patient teaching. If they were to find something like uh, you charted that you took the patient to the restroom and then you brought them back in the bed, but you forgot to chart that you put the SCDs back on and they happen to throw a clot, even though you put the SCDs back on later, they may not reimburse us. I know this because I have to go through the charts after the insurance company writes a complaint and try to defend the organization. And sometimes we can do that per our policy, but sometimes there's no way to cover it. And unfortunately, we don't get reimbursed for that care, which is a big deal. And heaven forbid something like that be brought to court because the nurse would be found um, neglectful. So let's talk about change in patient's condition. The Joint Commission direct, um, directs healthcare organizations to develop a mechanism for early recognition and response to a worsening in a patient's condition, especially situations that may sing signal impending respiratory or cardiac arrest. So some organizations like us have created a team often called the Rapid Response Team, or ours is the Roadrunner Team, which can be summoned to respond when a patient condition worsens. Your organization um, may use another process or team to respond to critical changes in the patient's condition. Uh, you need to make sure and know the protocol for contacting the team before, before you need to use them. Assure that you document any calls for the team according to the organizational policy. Like for our organization, anybody can summon this team, including, you know, the janitors, anybody. If they pass a room and they see a patient that is not looking good and something's wrong, they can alert that team and let them know, hey, something's wrong. I, I want you to come look at this patient. I have a bad feeling. And regardless to whether a call to the team was truly needed or whether they achieved a positive outcome with the patient, your documentation will support that you recognized a deteriorating condition and obtained a response. And that is what they are looking for. This brings us to chain of command. The main focus of the Joint Commission requirements related to recognizing and responding to deterioration in a patient's condition is the use of some type of quick response team. However, additional evidence of obtaining 
needed assistance on behalf of the patients, including recognition of situations that may not call for the rapid response team, but do indicate a need for notifying the provider and obtaining new orders. So document the observations and findings that caused you to contact the provider. Your contact with the provider and the provider's response. If the provider does not respond in a timely manner, you must activate the chain of command according to the organizational policy. The first step um, in most chain of command procedures is to report the situation to the charge nurse or your immediate supervisor. You are responsible for pursuing the chain of command to obtain assistance for your patient. So your chain of command is a sequence of persons um, to contact when you need assistance to protect the patient, ensure quality of care, and ensure your own safe practice. It starts with your direct supervisor and defines whom you are to contact next if the issue is not resolved. So when would you pursue the chain of command? If a provider responds with an extreme anger, hostility, or inappropriate behavior, we have all had that happen, oh my gosh, can't tell you how many times, a provider is reluctant to respond to your concerns. Um, if you are not successful in reaching the provider in a timely manner, um, if you are concerned that the provider's orders are unsafe or inadequate to manage the situation or deviate from standards of care and the provider um, persists with the current orders, like, hey, I don't think that's a good idea, you know, well, what do you know? You're just a nurse. Okay, um, all right, and I've had that situation happen as well, goodness. You have concerns related to patient safety or your own safety, including dangerous staffing levels and violent behavior. If these or other threatening situations arise, persist in obtaining the assistance you need. You have an ethical and legal responsibility to advocate for your patients. You are protecting your nursing license. It is not enough to merely notify the supervisor. If the situation remains unresolved, continue to pursue the chain of command. This can be an incredibly incredibly uncomfortable position like that of a hemorrhoid, especially if you are new to the organization or you're a new brand new nurse. Unfortunately, and you have to think about this in your head when you're going through these situations, the courts will not see your discomfort when taking action as a reasonable excuse if a patient suffers because of ineffective medical action or no medical action was taken. So you just have to do it. It is something we have to endure. And again, if you listen to my last podcast, nobody deserves to be abused in the medical field. We are all a team. So when you notify the provider of a change in condition, what should you include? You're going to include the full name of the provider. Um, you're going to note the exact time that you notified the provider. State the specific laboratory result, symptom, or other assessment data that you reported. You're going to record the provider's response to your report using exact words if possible. I just cannot stress this enough. I mean, if my first year of nursing was tough, I guess. I had situations similar that I wish I would have known these exact tips so I'm just giving this knowledge to you. Um, include any orders which the provider gives. If the provider gives no orders, note this, especially if you anticipated an order. For example, Dr. Umpty Scrump informed of oral temperature of 104 Fahrenheit, no orders received. In your complete note of the event, include the patient's other vital signs, 
relevant observations and any nursing interventions you performed. Include the commitment for necessary follow-up by the provider, such as will, um, they will visit the patient at six o'clock or whenever they're gonna make rounds. Um, include symptoms and parameters such as changes in vital signs, level of consciousness or pain um, that the provider defines as indicator for nurses to use when deciding to call the provider again. If it is essential that you document your own actions to assist the patient in addition to documenting your contacts with the provider. If a provider fails to respond to a page, a telephone message, or fails to order an intervention and thereby creates a risk for your patient, pursue the chain of command and notify your direct supervisor. Document your actions. And just to give you an example, um, this case was in 2011. An ICU nurse noted molting feet of a post-operative patient who was recovering from a radical neck dissection and laryngectomy. Uh, the nurse reported the findings to the surgeon who saw the patient and ordered a vascular surgery consult. Two hours later, when the vascular surgeon had not responded, the nurse contacted the family physician who ordered Doppler studies. When the vascular surgeon arrived six hours later, after the initial contact, the patient's circulation was so badly impaired that bilateral above the knee amputations were necessary. The nurse and the hospital were not found negligent because of the nurse's persistence in monitoring and communicating and documenting the events. The report of this case does not identify whether the nurse pursued the chain of command or not, but pursuit of the chain of command would have been appropriate in this case. So she did the right thing. She went around and tried to get somebody to order those Doppler studies and was very persistent. Now I'm gonna talk about charting by exception. Charting by exception implies that all standards have been met with a normal or expected response unless otherwise documented. There are numerous variations to charting by exception. Virtually every facility that uses this system does it differently. But the general rule is that only unusual or unexpected findings or those outside the norm are recorded. Charting by exception does not necessarily result in patient records that give an incomplete picture. But minimizing documentation is risky. Nurses notes with few explanations little description of key findings or no mention of periodic patient checks could be um, construed as negligence by a plaintiff's attorney, guided by the premise, um, not charted, not done. A lack of detail could compromise patient safety as well. A patient's medical record is expected to um, reflect his current condition and a chart that's missing pertinent information could fail to alert other clinicians to potential problems or complications. Well-designed flow sheets are a key part of good charting by exception. But this form of documentation should also call for notes concerning any significant indicator of the patient's condition or change in status, any subsequent interventions, and the patient's response. Observations call for specific detail record the color, consistency, and quantity of wound drainage, about the size of a quarter, for example, rather than noting only that the dressing was very bloody. Significant um, deficits, such as lethargy or lack of response, should be charted as well. 
If charting by exception is the rule at your facility, pay strict attention to the parameters and exactly what you're supposed to um, include in the patient's record. If you're still uncertain, discuss this issue with your supervisor or an administrator and ask for um, a written charting policy. So remember though, that charting by exception cannot be reduced to a simple set of rules. Like any other form of documentation, it demands sound judgment and common sense in determining what's in and what's out. Your standard should be, does this document tell the full story of the patient's condition and of our professional assessment and care? Okay, so I'm gonna talk about unprofessional documentation today and I'm gonna end this. Um, podcast and we will do a part two because there is a lot to go over. Unprofessional documentation, venting frustrations in the medical record. Is this something we're supposed to do? Well, heck no. Use the proper forum to express concerns about working conditions, poor rapport with team members, and other issues that concern you. The patient's record is not that forum. It is critical that you do report such issues to the proper individuals according to procedure and that you follow up. So, you know, you can do this with your Midas system or something like that or your complaints department. If a record containing such comments was brought into evidence in a suit, the documented system problems would be would make the organization appear to be at fault. So inappropriate comments in a medical record will also create an avenue for complaints by the organization against the nurse. The organization can claim that the inappropriate documentation led to the filing of the claim and or the inability to defend against the claim. So it's just something to think about. Also, please do not include acronyms intended to be humorous. (laughs) Some individuals have used acronyms in their documentation to represent insulting or inappropriate descriptions of patients, their families, and prognosis. Not only is this unethical and unprofessional behavior, but it could also have adverse consequences if a record was called into evidence in a lawsuit. I have personally not seen this at our organization, thank the Lord, but I have seen it on um, different forums on Facebook. And they're not funny. They're not funny. They're funny. We have a dark sense of humor. They're a little funny, but it's not something that you would put in a a medical chart at all. So today I'm going to end it on that. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will do a part two at a later time. Thank you.